Megaships get a lot of attention. Marketing budgets get allocated to what will draw a crowd. But there are still plenty of modestly sized ships and plenty of cruise lines sailing them. Whether you refuse to cruise any other way, or you're steering clear of the crowds, there's no denying the craze that is the topic of today's Cruise Habit Podcast. I'm Billy Hirsch. And I'm Rick Ross. Today we're discussing the rise of the megaship. You're about to set sail on the Cruise Habit Podcast, an audio voyage through the world of ships, ports, and beyond. Welcome aboard. So diving right in, we should probably talk about what megaships are. What does that term mean? And the reality is, uh, as far as I know, and, and as far as Rick and I could find, there is no actual definition. For the purpose of our conversation today, we're going to think of megaships as uh, ships that have a lower berth capacity, you know, first and second guests in a room of 4,000 or more. But uh, that in mind, I've got plenty of exceptions for this rule, just like any other. Uh, Rick, um, what... Um, you know, we're going to talk about some examples of mega ships here. Uh, do you think that four thousand passenger definition is is uh, is a good one? Yeah, I think there are just a few ships that meet that kind of definition, and those are ships that have a different sense about them uh, and some different marketing because of that. Fair enough, and I'm sure just as uh, what a mega ship is has evolved over time, it will continue to evolve. But as of uh, as of this recording, uh, you know, one day people will look back uh, in ten years and laugh at the tiny ships that we're talking about, mega ships. Maybe not. I don't know. Um, Maybe. <laughs> so uh, we'll start off Carnival Vista class, and this is actually one of the. Um, one of the maybe smaller, technically mega cla mega ship uh, classes of ships, but I'll tell you, uh, I I had the the pleasure of not sailing on Vista, but uh, went on board for the day, and actually you can read about that over on the site, and it definitely has you know as you mentioned a different feel about it. Uh, it is an experience. Um, then there's the uh, MSC. Uh, I'll, I'll let Rick say it because he pronounces it so well, well. Oh, thank you. That'd be the MSC Maravilla class. Said like a pro. Yes. Grew up in an Italian neighborhood. Now, and everybody knows it now. <laughs> and uh, then we have uh, the breakaway. Um, and then uh, breakaway class from Norwegian. And then, uh, and we're not mentioning all of them, of course. Then I think the most iconic, the one that a, a, a lot of people, if not most people, think of when someone says megaships. And that is Royal Caribbean's Oasis class of ships. Yeah, that's the one that's known to be huge. Sure, yeah, and I think I th I think people know that, and people who are picking an Oasis class ship are picking it for that reason. Uh, agreed, um, and you know something that makes uh, not that I want to overcomplicate labels and call a you know have a super mega class of ship, um, <laughs> but uh, even sure. even within the Royal uh, fleet, there are other classes of ships that meet uh, this kind of loose criteria that we're throwing around. Um, you know, quantum class, freedom class, almost there. I think about 37, 3,800 passengers in the lower berths. Mm -hmm. um, but what's interesting about the Oasis class, they are so much wider than other ships. They have a very wide beam, and it really makes for a completely different build where you have, you know, pools that are side by side. And, you know, oh, this venue's on one side of the ship, but on the other side is something completely different. You don't even realize you're there. So it is, uh, you know, it certainly not all mega ships are created uh, equal. 
um, nor are megaships inherently uh, better, right? Um, so, so what what makes a megaship? Do you think, Rick, appealing? Well, now before we say that, like, let's look at the megaships and say which ones are out there and what they have that sets them apart from, say, other ships that the that that cruise line sails. So with the Carnival Vista class, like one of the things that stands out to me about that ship or that line of ships, and we've got right now what the Vista, the Horizon, and we're, uh, we're going to have the Panorama in a year or so, mm-hmm. is that that Skytrack, the bicycling thing. Did you get a chance to ride on that while you were on the ship? I did. They were. I went up there and they were just closing it down and I, I gave them the, uh, the, the, the adorable Billy eyes and they let me on. Oh, that's sweet. What'd yeah. you think? Uh, you know what? It was actually cooler than I thought it was going to be. Um, one, to answer this question, going a little off topic, but a lot of people ask me this, it is not hard to pedal. It is very well geared, so you don't feel like you're pedaling a ton, and it's exhausting, but it's also not difficult. But really cool views. It is a perspective that you just can't get on another ship. And those type of truly unique experiences that just mechanically, physically, you can't get on other ships, uh, I think that's mm-hmm. one of the things that makes for a mega ship. Yeah, when you get a ship that is that large, you can put these new groundbreaking features onto the ship. And that that's something that's drawn my eye to the, the Carnival Vista class. Uh, with the Norwegian Breakaway class, uh, one of the things that's different about that is the whole sport zone at the end. Sometimes they have a, a racetrack back there. Sometimes they have a ropes course back there. Two of the breakaway uh, class ships have a, a racetrack on them. That'd be, I think it's the Bliss and the Joy. Um, anything else that stands out in your mind when you think about what makes a breakaway class ship distinct? Um, so something that's actually on a number of Norwegian ships, and and I'm going to say the wrong name. I don't remember what they call it. But the, the fact that, and not just on Norwegian ships now, but on a lot of these ships, you have these promenades that uh, mm-hmm. are not just a, a walking path, right? There are uh, little like cafes or there, there are bars. There are uh, on Vista, there's a, uh, a barbecue restaurant. Um, but uh, that that's something that uh, that we do see on the breakaway class of ships and other mega ships. And, and that's another, maybe one of those kind of core things that is not necessary to a mega ship being a mega ship, but that, the, that is... Um, rather distinct that the breakaway has and it it allows you to enjoy uh, the ship in in a way that you simply can't on others yeah uh when i was on the the excuse me the norwegian escape uh, i found that was underutilized i know the the area you're talking about that's kind of like an outdoor walk and you could have outdoor seating to all these restaurants uh i think it's great that they added it i don't know that norwegian has figured out how to maximize it yet Interesting. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I almost wonder if maybe that is better for certain itineraries. Um, you know, MSC Seaside, which we're on in July, and, and just uh, we live logged that sailing. Really cool. They have a similar kind of feature. Um, and while I thought it was really neat, I thought it was especially cool in port. And it made me think, wow, this is a great feature for when you're in Alaska. Because when you're cruising Alaska, even on mm. sea days, you're often just, you have these amazing sights near the ship. And to be able to enjoy your meal or just relax and see that without um, being just leaning against a railing or at a pool uh, at a pool deck, you know, uh, I think there's some good utility to that that maybe isn't served as well in the Caribbean. Mm, okay, I can see that. Uh, what I hear about Alaska, and I have not cruised there, is um, 
people think they're either going to have a balcony room or they're going to be crowded with everyone up on the pool deck trying to get the good view. And with something like um, an open promenade like that, I could see how more people could enjoy the view and do something other than just lean up against the railing. That's uh, I completely agree. And I think that's uh, that's important and something that uh, I suspect as as Norwegian and others find exactly how to utilize those spaces will become a staple. Um, and then you mentioned the the wider beam on the Royal Caribbean Oasis. And one of the things that allows is these uh, central areas like the Central Park area. It's between two stacks of rooms. So you get this kind of enclosed area um that's totally different, totally unique on a cruise ship. Yeah, and uh, with the Oasis-class ship, that's where we see the biggest step up in, in the beam. I remember, though, going back a number of years ago, stepping on the Queen Mary 2 and going, wow, I've never looked across a ship and seen a totally different venue, you know, not just, oh, the other side mm-hmm. of this lounge. Uh, but that's true. You, you have really unique experiences like Central Park, like the Boardwalk, and on Oasis-class in particular— you end up with uh, more um, linear space around the pools and such because they can actually have two of them side by side because it's so wide. That's kind of neat. So one of the questions that comes up is why are these mega ships what the cruise lines are building now? And Billy, you had some thoughts on that. Yeah. So the if you look at reasons people give for being hesitant to take their first cruise, and if you've if you've heard me talk. Uh, for more than like 30 seconds before, you know that I, I always remind people, nine out of 10 people who take one cruise take another. But the thing that makes it hard for some people to take that first leap, the two big factors are they think they're going to be seasick or they think they're going to be bored. So when mm-hmm. you have these really large ships, um, you know, the larger a ship, the harder it is to move around in the water. So seasickness becomes less of a concern, though, frankly, I think it's an overblown concern to begin with. And same with boredom. Um I often say of, of some of these mega ships that are out there now, they may not, um, not every venue, not every feature is going to be what everyone loves. However, everyone will find something that they love because the size allows them to, to, to provide such a wide variety of options, not just for individuals, but for families, great for multi-generation travel, things like that. So you knock down those, um, those objections pretty easily with, uh, with mega ships. Yeah, I would agree with that. One of the things that I really enjoyed about the Oasis class ship is the aqua theater in the back. And that's kind of something that it would be hard to build on a ship that were if that ship were any narrower. Yeah. And, you know, another thing is you just you have to make choices and you do in a building as well. But especially on a ship, you just have to make choices how to utilize space. So beyond Mm -hmm. the um, kind of the physics of it all. Right. uh, There is just the, the fact that. Even if on a on another ship you could have something like the Aqua Theater, well, it's going to take the place of something else, and that's still true on mega ships. But you you have space to to really spread out those options. Um, certainly, uh, if if we went back 10, 20 years ago and suggested, uh, for example, racetracks, you know, on uh, on right. a ship, it would seem <laughs> ridiculous. Not only for the reasons that maybe candidly, I think it might for me be a little ridiculous now, but hey, for those who enjoy it, great. Um, but also because it'd be going. Imagine all the the other stuff that we could put that we need to put on the ship. Well, 
you have more options. So you can you can throw stuff out there and see what happens. Like like a giant uh, a giant area of grass on a uh, solstice class ship, for example. <laughs> Another reason I think that lines are moving to the megaship or one of the benefits that a line gets by operating one are these economies of scale. Like you're going to have to have a certain amount of kitchen equipment. And regardless of whether you're using that to cook for 100 people, 150 people, 2,000 people, 4,000 people. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it comes down to the equipment, the staff, even the fuel. Um I mean, mm, if, you, mm-hmm. if you've ever uh, if you've ever gone out on a boat, you take like a twenty foot boat out for a day, and you go, "Wow, I spent more on gas than uh, I would have on a cruise for the weekend." Um, <laughs> so, it, you know, it works just in a lot of ways. The cruise lines, um, well, their businesses, they want to make money any way they can. But the the two big areas are larger ships. Uh, and then older ships that are already paid off, right? So like uh, Norwegian mm-hmm. Sky is, uh, it's their smallest uh, uh, ship sailing right now, I believe. But uh, yeah. Frank Del Rio, the CEO of Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings says it is the most profitable ship they have. Um, similarly, when you have a ship that can carry 6,800 people or something like that, when you look at uh, some of these builds, um, there is a, a certain economy of scale there that's very beneficial to the cruise lines. So in these four lines that we mentioned, the Carnival, MSC, uh, Norwegian, and Royal Caribbean, some of them right now, two of them, are, are making only that class of ship. So the only thing that's uh, coming out of a shipyard with the Carnival brand on it is a Vista class ship. Uh, and similarly similarly for Norwegian, uh, they've upgraded the Breakaway to a Breakaway Plus class, but that is the only kind of ship they're making. Um, whereas with MSC and Royal Caribbean, MSC has got both the Maravilla class and the Seaside class coming out of the shipyards now. And Royal Caribbean's got the Quantum class also uh, in production as well as the Oasis. Um, for those, the Seaside, we talked about uh, that promenade that you liked so much. And for the uh, Royal Caribbean Quantum, one of the things that always attracts me to that is uh, hearing Matt Hodgeberg of Royal Caribbean blog uh, site and podcast talk about uh, his experiences in 270 270 a venue that um i really want to check out i i, I want to go on a quantum class just to 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 see that you know the i think the reason and this is somewhat speculative on my part but if we look at carnival and norwegian building uh, currently just these two classes of ships now they have other builds scheduled don't get me wrong uh, correct me if I correct me if I am wrong, Rick. We're just talking about the bills that they actually have in shipyards right now. That you know people are putting a tool to metal or some expression here. Um, right, right. So, we're we're talking about what's what we can expect to see now. Gotcha. So, so if we look at Carnival in Norwegian, uh, the majority of their business uh, is focused on warm weather cruising. Uh, you know, they do mm-hmm. other areas, certainly, um, but that's the majority. Whereas if you look at other lines, Royal Caribbean, uh, MSC, uh, they they have ships in other regions where they may need other classes of ships for specific reasons. Like we were talking about the Quantum class, they have um, retractable roofs over the pools. Um, and there's a reason yeah. for that. Uh, you want that when you're sailing in uh, Alaska or you're doing transatlantics or you're doing northeastern seaward or, you know, Bermuda. Um, that's, you know, there are certain features that you just need when you're serving certain geographies. 
yeah, a retractable roof on a, a ship in the Caribbean is nice to have, but certainly not a need to have, though the weather is pretty great in that part of the world. Yeah, very true. It's uh, If it does rain in the Caribbean, you just wait like three minutes and then it stops, especially <laughs> when you're at sea. It's bizarre. <laughs> so uh, let's so see. Go ahead. What's, what's coming out? Um, I know you've looked at the uh, cruiseindustrynews.com cruise ship order book and, and crunched some numbers on what's coming out in terms of builds. Now, what we've been talking about so far, so far in our definition of what's a megaship is talking about passenger capacity, because I think that's people know how to count number of people, but that's not really how the cruise ship industry measures a ship. Um, what can you tell us about that? Sure. So I'll, I'll kind of explain how these measurements are frequently done. And, and some have heard me talk about this before. Gross registered tonnage is often how uh, how these things are looked at. And it's not actually a measure of weight. It's a measure of internal volume. And there's all sorts of complicated math. And I'll let people that make a lot of money as naval engineers work that out. But to give you an idea, just for some perspective, uh, Oasis class ships, you know, the, the largest class of ships out there right now range from about 225 to about 227, I believe, thousand gross tons. Um, and and that's pretty big. Uh, some of these other mega ships that we're talking about are in the maybe 140 to 180,000 gross ton range. Um, so I just wanted to offer that perspective. Now, when we look at what's actually out there, because we see all the all uh, so much attention to these mega ships, we see them on television. We hear people talking about them on social media. We're talking about them right now. That's what this episode is about. So you think, wow, ships are just getting so huge. So I looked at the order book. I looked at what's coming out in 2018, what has and is coming out in 2018, 2019, and 2020. And I ran some averages. In 2018, the average new ship will be 88,870 gross tons. For 2019, just under 69,000 gross tons. And then it bumps up a little in 2020 to 92,000 gross uh, gross registered tons. So to, I guess my point between is between like a half and a third of the size of an Oasis class ship, right? Less than half to right around a third. So, so my, my point of that is that there are other ships out there. And in fact, the majority of ships sailing and not just sailing, it's not just, Oh, well, Billy, you know, not all of them are, are uh, these giant ships. Some of them are older. No, no, no. Even the majority of newer ships are significantly smaller, but these mega ships for very good reason, get a lot of attention um it you know also in in fairness uh ocean cruising isn't the only type of cruising out there river cruises are becoming more and more popular and they affect those numbers um in 2015 there were a total of 184 uh, river cruise ships there have been eight there were 18 more added in 2017 and we expect you know looking at what's on order and what lines are doing we expect that It'll continue to be a big thing there. And obviously those ships are a lot smaller because, uh, well, I, I'm they not really sure. They have to really fit sure. under bridges. <laughs> you, you have to fit under bridges. You have to fit through locks. Uh, <laughs> there, there would be some uh, real logistics challenges there. Um, so, you know, mega ships are not everything. And that's okay because, one, different people have different preferences. I personally actually kind of prefer smaller ships. I mean, hey, I'm, I'm sailing on Symphony, uh, I think, 49 days after we record this podcast and symphony of the seas uh, will be the largest uh, is the largest cruise ship in the world right now. Again, they offer something for everyone. They're really, really cool, especially for groups and stuff. But 
in general, especially if it's just uh, Larissa and I sailing, I actually like a much smaller ship. Um, and I think we see that even though people often start out, especially now with these mega ships, um, that's not necessarily where they where they stay. Um, yeah, you've got you've got a theory or, or some experience about how people's cruising habits change. Oh, did I just mention the name of our of our website in a sentence organically? Cruise oh, habit. Oh, oh, wow! It's very ingrained. <laughs> uh, but you have a <laughs> you have a, a kind of a you've made some observations about how people cruise differently as they are in different stages of life. Yeah, and and not just I would say not just different stages of life, but even uh, different stages in their cruise uh, their cruise journey. Sounds so nice when I say it that way, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> so keeping in mind what we uh, discussed before, that mega ships help um, break down some of those barriers that uh, keep people from taking their very first cruise, the boredom, the seasickness uh, concerns. Once they realize, oh, cruising is so much different than I could have possibly imagined until I experienced it, they're more comfortable in trying different things. And as you tend to go um, up market um, to, and, and that doesn't just mean more more expensive, though it certainly can mean, um, but as, as you, you look at um, ships that are maybe not targeting multi-generation as much, that aren't targeting families with kids as much, and yes, that go into more expensive experiences sometimes, those ships tend to be uh, smaller, sometimes a lot smaller. So, it, it, you know, thinking of this, uh, I'm, I'm a e-commerce nerd, think of this like a funnel. Uh, you know, you have, you have people loading up on these mega ships, trying it out for the first time. Now they're hooked on cruising. Well, as they want to try more things, maybe without uh, their their kids or maybe, you know, as they get older and they want different experiences on premium lines like uh, Celebrity, Holland America, Princess, uh, or even on light luxury and luxury lines, Oceana, Regent, stuff like that. As they graduate, well, that means there need to be more of those ships now. So as you have, uh, you know, these these mega ships with all this capacity, you actually need to have a lot of smaller ships ready uh, ready as well. For me, I think uh, what what I sense about moving toward to smaller ships is the variety of itineraries. Like with these very large ships, you pretty much are going to get two or three standard itineraries in the Caribbean, and that may be it. And if you want something different, like a 10-day cruise that goes to the ABC Islands, that's not going to be offered on an Oasis-class ship. Sure, and, and there, are, there are kind of two reasons for that. One of them being, of course, that... You have a lot of people on a ship. You need to have mass appeal. You need, uh, I almost want to say like uh, safe ports, not, you know, in terms of like physical safety, but, uh, you know, stuff that everyone's going to be good with. Right. Uh, yeah. But another is simply that a lot of these ports, as of right now, can't facilitate not only the physical size of the ship, but in some cases, just the number of passengers. Some of these mm -hmm. places, it doesn't matter uh, how large the ship was. If all of a sudden by plane, uh, you know, 6,500 guests arrived. That, that would be a little more than the destinations could handle. So, yeah, it, these smaller ships do open up uh, options in terms of itineraries. So now that we've established that, I guess, there are people moving from larger ships to smaller ships means there need to be some smaller ships. Uh, we could talk about 
who's introducing ships that aren't mega ships? And for that, eh, let's say 3,000 passengers at or under uh, 3,000 passengers. Uh, one of the ones that is coming up real soon that we're very excited about, I think 68, 67 days from when we're recording, will be on Celebrity Cruises Celebrity Edge. That comes in at just under 3,000 at uh, 2,900, and that's debuting November of this year. It, so, so excited. Uh, <laughs> I think we're, uh, I'm stepping off of uh, Symphony and then like a week or two later going on edge with you. And yeah, that that's going to be really mm -hmm. impressive. A lot of things on that ship that are, um, it, it, it's cliche to say game changer, but really I, I think it truly to be the case. Um, and when we talk about edge, just as some of these other ships that we're talking about, they're lower in capacity. However, they still have... Uh, they're still sizable vessels. Um, it sounds funny to say, you know, say, oh, these smaller ships. I mean, you know, I love Ocean and Regatta. It has, I think, uh, 680 people on there or something like that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, you know, these are much smaller in terms of passenger capacity and certainly a, a bit smaller in terms of size as well, while still offering some really exciting uh, options and the venues that we're going to see on edge. Like, uh, what's, what's all the way... Uh, uh, a stern on uh, Eden. Eden, yes, Eden. very cool yeah. stuff. I'm really looking forward to seeing what that looks like. But I think that does reinforce the point of just because a ship is smaller, so to say, um, doesn't mean that there can't be innovation there. Absolutely, and I'm, I'm sure when it comes to innovation, I'm positive we're going to see a lot of that from Virgin Voyages as well. Scarlet Lady coming in at uh, 2,700 passengers or so in 2020. Virgin Voyages, uh, there'll be a brand new cruise line, not something that we see happen every day, especially building still relatively large ships um, and, and new builds. Oftentimes when you see new cruise lines pop up, they're, uh, they're buying... Uh, ships that have already been sailing for a while may not be anything oh, yeah. wrong with them. So Virgin, they're, they they keep promising to do all sorts of things different. And, and listen, some of it's just marketing, but some of it looks really cool. And we've been writing about that. Cannot wait to get on there. Uh, I don't know, even as much as, as much fanfare uh, or as much attention as Edge and uh, Scarlet Lady, Virgin Voyager ship, uh, have got. I think uh, there's another line, though, that will probably, when these ships start sailing, get more attention than any other. <laughs> well, they have a huge marketing budget, uh, and they right now only have four ships. So when they say they're going to add three more, uh, yeah, the uh, the Disney Cruise Line is going to add a third class of ship. And just as a small connection between Virgin Voyages and Disney Cruise Line, Virgin Voyages is being spearheaded by the person who developed Disney Cruise Line initially. Yeah, so there is. Uh, they're kind of. I don't want to say family members like that, but uh, yeah, there's a there's a consistent influence there. There are a lot of very smart, talented people with decades of experience in the cruise industry uh, at a building in Plantation, Florida, working on Virgin Voyages right now. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what Virgin does. However, Disney is a brand that has been constrained by capacity for a long time. Disney has one of the most recognizable brands in the world of any type, and yet they've only had four ships. Four, by today's standards, relatively small ships. They have uh, three, is it three new builds, I believe, coming out? Yeah. Um, and they're going to be uh, about 2,500 passengers each. Um, the first of them, I think, sails in 2021. We don't know where they're going yet. I've, I've 
said that I, I would be surprised if some tonnage for DCL doesn't move to, to Asia. Uh, we could talk about this for a long time. But yeah, there's going to be a lot of attention there. And Disney did not feel the need to go to a mega ship, which I'm a little bit surprised uh, at, uh, but maybe is a way they see themselves uh, differentiating themselves in the, in the market um, in a way that other lines have had trouble with. Yeah, that's a, a curious question is, for what reason did Disney pick this place in the market that they wanted mm-hmm. to be this size and offer these things? Um, maybe we'll hear some answers to that as the as the class comes out. Um, but uh, and I think that this is right now that it's about the same size as a dream or fantasy uh, vessel. Very close. Yes. Very, very close in size. Yep. Um, and then there's Project Leonardo from NCL. And I'm excited about this because maybe a year ago, two years ago, time flies when you're having fun. I, uh, I wrote about um, ship designs overall and how we're, we're starting to see a return to ships that focus on the water. This is very apparent mm-hmm. with Celebrity Edge, in fact. It's all about looking out to the water in venues, in rooms with the, the um, infinite veranda rooms. But in general, I was getting honestly kind of, I don't want to say annoyed, that sounds wrong, but I was seeing all these amazing ships from from multiple cruise lines that I love, uh, but I would get on board and go, I can't see the water. That's weird. Yeah. And when I saw the original renderings for Project Leonardo, which are uh, 3,300 passenger ships, uh, and the first one's going to come out in 2022 from NCL, um, I, I went, wow, much like the seaside, much like uh, now we're seeing the edge, there's a big focus on being able to enjoy the outside and look out at the water, whether you're inside or out. So pretty excited about Project Leonardo. That's going to be uh, a real departure from what we've seen in the Breakaway and Breakaway Plus class ships. Um, a, a complete departure in uh, in influence, I think. Yeah, I'm a, a huge fan of the the Breakaway Breakaway Plus class. So if they if this is going to be more, or they're taking like lessons learned from the Breakaway and Breakaway Plus class and adding new things too. Uh, that's uh, a ship I'm really excited about. I, and I hope so, because my, my impression was of Escape, for example, is, wow, really cool ship, uh, has a lot of beautiful venues, uh, a lot of neat entertainment. I wish I felt like I was on a ship. Um, and I should mm-hmm. mention, Rick, you did a, a live blog from uh, from both Escape and Epic, actually, right? Uh, last year. Yeah. Uh, we'll link the, to that in the, the show notes. Sure. The the class of ship that preceded the breakaway class in Norwegian is the Epic class. Only one was constructed. Um, it's the one with the weird bathroom. I <laughs> I don't touch on that much. Uh, I was staying in the room by myself, so the weird bathroom didn't bother me at all. Uh, but yeah, please check out uh, cruisehabit.com. Look for the, the Epic live blog and the Escape live blog if you're curious about what's going on with Norwegian now. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see where they go. And then uh, beyond that, uh, we can just kind of, as a blanket, say pretty much every ship that the light luxury and luxury lines are building also fall into this category of certainly not mega ships, right? Um, whether it's down to um, uh, the the new builds that uh, that we just saw from lines like uh, uh, Silver Sea or Crystal, uh, excuse me. Um, to uh, who's the uh, hotel chain? Oh, uh, Ritz Carlton. Oh, Ritz, right? Ritz Carlton. And, yeah, and um, these are, I mean, oh, not Virgin, but the um, who's the Viking? Yes, the Vic- River Cruise Viking Line is now getting cruises. into ocean cruising. Yep. Um, you know, these are ships that range from um, small cruise ship down to really large yacht. 
And mm-hmm. the luxury part of the market, um, people are not looking for the mega ship kind of experience and and that's okay um what's really cool and this is something we probably should have mentioned before another option that these mega ships have are these areas to have these ship and a ship experiences and we should maybe do a whole episode about that one day where there are you know restaurants lounges pools sections of staterooms entire areas that are just for sweet guests and that means guests that might want a light luxury or luxury cruise line experience, but they're also going with their grandkids and their grandkids are, are mm-hmm. not going to feel at home on, you know, Silver Sea. <laughs> um, they can kind of have that um, that higher end experience without all the madness, without all the hustle and bustle and have the, the kids and the grandkids out in the, the other part of the ship. And, you know, when they feel like uh, going out, they can, they can join them. So that's something to, that, that we should definitely talk about one day. Uh, I do touch on that a bit in the Escape Live blog. I was invited to have lunch at the Haven restaurant. Uh, the Haven is what Norwegian calls that ship within a ship. So we've got some information on that uh, in the in the Escape Live blog. But I agree that's that'd be a great topic for uh, an upcoming podcast. So let's uh, let's talk about um, you know we talked about some of these smaller. Uh, non-mega ships now, just because again, it's it's not uh, mega ships are not the alpha and omega of the cruising world right now, but there are some really big ships that are going to be coming out. Uh, yeah, so, no one has stopped planning big ships. There are uh, certainly big ships on the uh, on the horizon. So we've got uh, Carnival. Sometimes they're calling it the Excellence Class, and sometimes they're calling it the XL Class. As far as I can tell, that depends on which particular brand in the grander Carnival umbrella is going to that ship is going to. Yeah, and and this is a weird aside, but uh, Carnival has done this before where uh, they'll use a class of ship across multiple brands with certain changes. Um, for example, um, I want to say the... Um, somebody's going to tell me I'm wrong when this episode comes out. Probably my father. Uh, I want to say the uh, Queen Victoria and uh, the uh, w- under Canard and Holland America New Amsterdam, something like that, are actually uh, the mm. same uh, the same class. But they're, they're different, but they, they came from a, a very similar mold. So that's why the difference there with the... Uh, with within the carnival brand but yeah those are 5200 passenger ships the uh the xl and excellence um that's that's going to be the biggest for carnival up to this point and that's a big 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 ship i am curious what they'll be packing into all of that space and what accommodations they're going to make for that many passengers with that much space i can only assume they'll have my preferred scotch throwing that out there (laughs) <laughs> send an email <laughs> oh i will uh, um <laughs> royal caribbean has also introduced the icon class and one of the hallmarks there is that it's going to be their switch to liquefied natural gas as a fuel or having that as a fuel option on this new class that one's coming in at five thousand, and we'll see the first ships in that class coming out in 2022 Liquefied natural gas. We're going to see a lot of these new builds of, of all sizes. Uh, Disney, uh, uh, Carnival's doing some of that. Um, we've written about that a couple of times. Interesting, interesting stuff. Now you have economy of scale and cleaner uh, fuels. So that's all uh, That's all good stuff. And then there is um, a class of ship carrying a maximum with all berths full. So bunk beds and everything like that of 6,850 passengers coming in 2022 from MSC. And golly, I had a great time on Seaside. You should check out that live blog. Uh, Liked the MSC experience. I detest the name of this class of ship. Uh, You have said that. 
It is the MSC world class. And it just makes it seem very confusing to say for me and to write about. It's the world class. It sounds like you're just giving it a, a title and not a name. Uh, but yeah, there. that's, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that will be the, by passenger capacity, passenger capacity specifically, the largest uh, ship. Yes, ship. yes. When the MSC World Class debuts, that is the greatest number of people you can put on a boat. Um, sh- ship. It's, it's not a boat. It's not a it's boat. Not a boat. <laughs> yeah, um, greatest, greatest number of people you can put on a ship in order to go out and have some fun in the water. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, as we talk about now, these, these ones that are getting larger and larger, and this is, uh, there's no right answer to this. We're, we're going to try and predict the future a little bit. I'm curious your thoughts, Rick, and then we can talk about some of the, the things that will influence this. Um, have, have we seen the largest? Will they just keep getting bigger? You know, in, in 20 years, will we be talking about 12,000 passenger ships? Yeah, I can't think of a reason why we wouldn't. Uh, that seems to be the trend, and and that economy of scale uh, aspect that's going to be very compelling to publicly traded companies. They have an obligation to generate revenue for their shareholders, and if that is the thing that does it, then that's the thing they've got to do. Yeah, uh, ag- agreed. And I don't think that just because lines keep making larger ships, I don't think that precludes them, uh, prevents them from making smaller ships as well. Um, you know, and, and there there are a couple considerations there for why they might keep making smaller ships in addition to really large ships. Uh, one is we mentioned some of these ports, uh, you know, por- ports of call just can't handle that many passengers. But also we've seen over the last couple of years a huge increase in uh, what the industry calls drive ports, uh, uh, mm-hmm. embarkation ports like Galveston, like um, uh, New Orleans, um, Baltimore. I think. I think Tampa is also one of them. Yes, absolutely. And these are ports that have, they, they've had cruising for a while, but they're becoming a lot more popular. For one, uh, cruising is becoming more popular. So you have more ships, you can put them in more places. But if a family of four is going out and they say, golly, I'd lo- this sounds interesting, but it'd be really expensive. It'd take a lot of time to get my family all on a plane and fly out to Miami. Listen, if you're if you live near... Uh, near Galveston, or you live near uh, Tampa, or whatever the case may be, that can be very appealing. Also, just to have some different options out there. And some of those ports uh, can, you know, adapt and have larger ships, but some of them have real concerns. Baltimore and Tampa, for example, uh, they have bridges, and you just can't fit some of these ships uh, under these bridges. Yet, uh, one of the things that's been talked about in Tampa is if we want more cruise ships, it can't happen in the city proper so if the this part of florida wants to have a large cruise ship terminal it's going to need to be south of the bridge it's going to need to be in like bradenton or sarasota so that the bridge becomes a non-factor this is the sunshine skyway bridge that we're talking about yeah and and i've heard people say oh well you know uh cruise lines they've helped out ports uh you know in the caribbean for example build up so that they can they can facilitate more passengers so they can just do that you know, in some in some of these places like Tampa, um, it's not a cheap prospect. You know, moving the port, you have a ton of infrastructure concerns and stuff like that. Not that that are not inherently negative, uh, but people have talked about like changing the bridge. Uh, FDOT, Florida Department of Transportation, did a uh, did a feasibility study in 2014. It would cost between one and two billion dollars to modify the, the Sunshine Skyway Bridge to accommodate larger cruise ships. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, I would think that there would probably be much greater incentive and still a lot of resistance to simply moving the port. But moving the port isn't an option in all of these places. Um, and some places may not want a larger port, even if they like the revenue from uh, from cruise ships. So I think uh, I don't think we're we're going to see even the contemporary lines that are real big on mega ships. I don't think we're going to see them walk away from smaller builds uh, either. Well, I think one of the things that can let the corporation do that is this kind of umbrella where they have multiple brands. And so we may never see a celebrity megaship, and that's okay because we're going to see megaships under the Royal Caribbean brand. Absolutely. And again, with that ship in a ship thing, people that want a more premium experience, uh, a quieter experience potentially, can get that. Mm -hmm. So that it it's you know a great way for cruise lines, you know, getting into kind of industry thing to to really broaden the appeal of an individual brand, but make sure that they have specific brands that people can fall into and, you know, spend some more money wherever they're going. Mm -hmm. That That is one thing we're sure of. Biggest ship? We don't know. <laughs> will Will cruise lines continue to try and make more money? Yes, it's a business. We can bet yes. on that. <laughs> that. That is assured. So we do have some articles that we've mentioned throughout this podcast. Uh, one of them on this topic uh, that Billy wrote uh, entitled, New Cruise Ships Are Huge, Except When They're Not. Yeah, and, and that's kind of getting back to when I was talking about what ships are coming out, and you realize the average ship is not, not only is it not a mega ship, it's not even close. Uh, so others, uh, let's see. Oh, we talked, your, your hometown, uh, Tampa, we were talking yep. about driving ports, Tampa being one of them, and how much traffic, uh, in, you know, the increase in cruise traffic that they've seen. So you can check out that article as well. Um, we'll, uh, we'll link to, to these and others in the show notes. Uh, we also uh, have an article about looking to the sea, you know, ship designs changing, which I'm happy about. Again, I like knowing I'm on a ship. I like seeing the water. So, uh, so we'll link to all of these and more, including uh, some of Rick's awesome live blogs in the show notes. So be sure you check that out at cruisehabit.com. Com. And if you have questions for us that you'd like us to answer on this podcast or comments, feedback you want to give us, please email us podcast at cruisehabit.com. And the very last ask that, uh, that I have, if you enjoyed the show and we both hope uh, that you do, go on to iTunes or wherever you listen to uh, your podcast, even if you get them from somewhere else, go to iTunes, leave us a review. That, uh, that helps us get the word out, helps other people find us, and uh, would mean a lot to both Rick and I. Hey, this is Gerald from Halifax, Nova Scotia, a friend of CruiseHabit.com. You can follow the guys on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can even subscribe to Cruise Habit podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you enjoy your podcasts. You can also search Cruise Habit in the Periscope app to join the broadcasts live from ship and shore. They'd love to talk ship with you real soon.